Hey there, runners. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Today, we are shining the spotlight on two topics. Topic one, educators and its connection with students. Topic two, STDs, their stats, and some campus resources. Today, we have a special guest on the show, Miss Olivia Kalahar. What up, runners? Hi, Olivia. How are you doing today? Pretty good. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Olivia Kalahar. I'm a junior here at Cal State Bakersfield. Uh, I'm majoring in communications with an emphasis in digital media, and I have a minor in political science. What does all this mean? I don't really know, but I know I, I want to be in the field, probably in LA, something like that, whatever uh, job I can get, to be honest. All right. CSUB, we're just uh, two students looking to shine the spotlight on some feature stories impacting the CSUB community. And so moving right along into the show, topic one, educators and its connection with students. So like Paul mentioned, the first topic is education and the connection between students, teachers, and how we all go together. But uh, if you're curious, um, you can check the speaker out. His name is Lewis Wildman, and his book is Let's Share Ideas About Educational Leadership. So we went to a discussion and the speaker had five main points covered. First was practice what you preach. The second is the basic paradox of education. Whoa. The third is the selection of educators. The fourth was vision. And the fifth was teacher evaluation. And so what I got from this speech is pretty much this. The first one, practice what you preach. Educators need to be continuously learning. If they want students to learn, they gotta be learning themselves. Like, we're all in this together, guys point here, of course, that I've been trying to make is that education is meaningless if we educators don't practice what we preach. More important than what we say is what we actually do. As Rudyard Kipling's little poem goes, no written word nor spoken plea can teach young hearts what they should be nor all the books upon the shelves, but what the teachers are themselves. That's my first point. The second is education needs objectives to explore creativity and create a better learning environment. If you're not in a good learning environment, you're not gonna learn. It's pretty obvious. Chester Finn did not understand, as Immanuel Kant said, that education partly teaches man something and partly develop something within him. In other words, in most every course, there is content and skills which we definitely want students to learn. But we also need to help students pursue their interests within courses to encourage student creativity and deeper understanding. In order to do this, we probably need to let go of some peripheral and esoteric topics in favor of helping students explore what they find relevant and meaningful and engaging. The next one is teachers need to find an outlet for themselves and to pursue their own academic interests. Um, it kind of goes hand in hand with the first one, but they need to find something that they enjoy and to keep learning it. Let's suppose we are uh, in Lancaster, California, hiring a science teacher for a high school to see how this would work. Obviously, we need a teacher credentialed to teach science. But I'm suggesting we should look further. What scientific interests do our applicants have? 
Are any interested in desert plants? Are any interested in wind and solar energy? You know, it always blows over in Lancaster if you've been over there. You know, those are scientific in interests which a science teacher could pursue in Lancaster. Since we want teachers to practice what they preach, to model their teaching, we need to consider this when hiring educators. Uh, the next one, schools need to aim for education and not test scores. And then the very last one, which goes with teacher evaluation, is teachers need to be evaluated, not just students. So Olivia, I feel like we just uh, need to do diligence to our listeners here and maybe just a little pushback and, and maybe just go a little bit in depth. And let's just go over the five main topics. Um, you did cover the basics of the talk, but more importantly, how does this impact us? You know, and so uh, practice what you preach. Um, one example would be uh, a PE teacher who is not in the best of shape. Uh, to a certain extent, there might be a disconnect um, with the student and the teacher due to credibility. Is that safe to say, Olivia? Oh, that's definitely safe to say. I don't want to be taught math by someone who, uh, you know, they only learned basic algebra and here they're teaching me statistics. Like, what even is the point of that if I'm in a educational system where that's how the setup is? All right. So uh, moving along to point number two, uh, you mentioned the basic paradox of education. To me, when I hear that, it sounds like very futuristic, very scientific. I picture the matrix for some reason. <laughs> but uh, going back to the topic here, the basic paradox of education, the basic thought that comes to my mind is goals. And how do you know you reached your goal? That when you get to a certain point, you quote unquote made it. Well, I kind of see it like this is, uh, so CSUB has a lot of goals. One of them is their graduation rate. It's pretty low. They want to get people out, in and out, and whether it's a four-year as a freshman or a two-year as a transfer. But, you know, you're paying a tuition, so you want to get the best out of this education that you can, whether that's in two years, four years, or even five years, and you're that, you're that super senior, you know? Those objectives have to still be met, but on a level higher than um, average. My point here is that for too long, school districts have just been interested in determining whether a candidate can teach, fulfilling the school district's needs. Now school districts should make sure that a candidate can fulfill the school district's needs, but then also consider with the candidate how well a vacancy will fulfill the candidate's needs. Ideally, there should be a good match particularly as educational technology takes over more of the teaching of predefined objectives. The way a school district greets applicants from the very first inquiry and application form tells a lot about what kind of place this school district would be to work at. Uh, so uh, we'll carry on to point number three, the selection of educators. Um, and so obviously we're not administration, we're just students, um, but how are teachers selected? Like what is the process of hiring a teacher? Uh, what is the process of hiring a physics teacher versus hiring a um, kinesiology teacher? Or what's the process of hiring a English teacher versus hiring a business teacher? And administration needs to go and rate my professor. 
I take Ray My Professor with a grain of salt, but uh, but still look at those and be like, how is this teacher being rated by um, students and potential peers? You know, some employers take a factory-like approach to selection, trying to find cost-effective employees. A cost-effective employee would have precisely those features needed and no more, for otherwise the school district pays for competence it doesn't need or want. That approach to educator selection would be consistent with job training, training the worker to fit the job. But that approach is inconsistent with the ideals of public education. I hope you see how inconsistent that is with human development. Ideally, a child is nurtured by their parents. Throughout schooling, considerable emphasis should be placed upon developing the individual to his or her potential. Then suddenly, are we to have this growing person so full of promise be told that they must fit a job rather than join a learning community? It seems to me that would be a radical departure, and it is, from uh, educational emphasis upon developing each individual child to the maximum of his or her potential. All right, so uh, moving along to point number four, vision, standardized testing. You, f you look at the schools that they're coming from, and some schools are just heavily pushing standardized testing and other schools are like we can barely get our kids to even come to school uh half majority of the week you know like how are we going to push testing on them that's going to make them want to leave you know and so um yeah maybe uh two people both get into cal state bakersfield but they both came from completely different schools and the way they were tested or the way they were taught and the way they learned is completely different and so um because of that, one is more prepped for college than the other, and it's kind of a disadvantage because, um, I don't know, I just think the vision of education needs to be the same. Obviously, it depends on the area and stuff, and you're going to have challenges with that, but like, if you want your students, whether they're elementary, middle, high school, uh, community college, even... Cal State Bakersfield, whatever students you have, if you want them to succeed in life, you're going to want them to go to college or some sort of education outside of, um, you know, just your high school diploma. And so I think making that the vision of higher education and making that a vision that are for students learning all the same. So Olivia, you made a great point on standardized testing. But what about the student's involvement within the community? So if a student is, is scoring really high on standardized testing, how is that student's effect within their own community? Well, a lot of times students who are doing well in school are more likely to be involved in, well, on their campus and clubs and stuff, and also in their community with whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's what makes a well-rounded student and what makes them more appealing to whatever school they want to go to because it's like, oh, this school. And, you know, like here at CHB, we have tons of opportunities to get involved in our community and plenty of students take it up. And we even, we're, we're in a centralized location of Bakersfield, you know, the building of the Edible Garden. That's not just CHB students, that's open to the community as well. And so that shows that students care about the community. And so whether they learned that in their high school 
or whether they learn that through their family or whether they learn that here by joining an organization or a club or whatever it may be like they want to be part of the community and when you graduate you are you're the community you know and so it's just one step after another and even students who don't do well in standardized testing or don't do well in school doesn't mean they can't be involved in their community you know everyone has that thing that they love whether it's um, politics I think everyone's gonna find that niche it's just some people find it sooner than others I think people want everyone to see the vision now and some people it takes them a little longer to see the vision and that's where questions come up about how is education being done right but I think most people who at least go to um, university or college they find that niche themselves only by looking at openings as potential opportunities for the utilization of human resources will employment procedures in education be consistent with the developmental goals of education. We should conceptualize the employment process as both a procedure for finding an amply qualified candidate as well as an individual who can utilize an employment opportunity to further their professional interests. So then that moves us along to teacher evaluation and we'll wrap this up short and sweet. We do a survey, right, towards the end of the end of the, the class. I just call that the CSUB version of Rate My Professor because that's what it is. And you can be completely honest. And it's great. To be honest, sometimes I wish my professor would rate me. Like they had like a reversed Ooh. version. I just, you know, like would that be grades though? <laughs> but I mean, that's how the work environment is. Your boss is going to tell you like, hey, you need to step this up or you need to do this instead of this that you're doing. Like you're going to have evaluations uh, most likely twice a year. You know, if you want that raise, you're going to get that evaluation. So, and you're just going to suck it up and you're going to do what they tell you to do because that's the way life works. And so, I don't know, you get for like five, ten minutes, you get to play uh, their boss just so they know what to work on and stuff like that. But it kind of preps us for how evalu our evaluations will be in the workforce mm -hmm. one day. All right. CSUB, make sure you visit therunneronline.com and pick up a copy of our latest newspaper issue at one of our conveniently placed newspaper racks around campus or off campus at Starbucks and lengthwise in the marketplace or downtown locations of John's Burger and Real Acai Bowl. We truly appreciate their support. And their food. And their food. <laughs> All right. That brings us to our second topic. Woo. Ironically enough, fun fact, runners, um, the day we went to this presentation about the STDs was the day after Valentine's Day. What's better than that to they get tested? Ooh, yeah. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Topic number two, STDs, some statistics, and campus resources. So the speakers included Lauren Ash, Erica Delamar from the Student Health Center, and Michelle Corson from Kern County Public Health. Kern County does have some of the highest rates in sexually transmitted diseases. Um, but earlier last year, the Centers for Disease Control, they put out an alert to the, the nation that we are seeing STDs at unprecedented highs in our nation. So we're not alone in this. This is a problem we're facing nationally. However, California has some of the highest rates. 
And within California, Kern County has some of the highest rates. So I would say we definitely are facing um, a little bit bigger of a fight than, than, than many other communities. Kern County, you nasty. 8,580 STD infections were reported in Kern County in 2015. We're 42% higher than the state average. Let that sink in. With gonorrhea, we're seventh worst in the state. 26% higher than the state average. For primary and secondary syphilis, we're second worst in, oh, excuse me, seventh worst in the state, that's a typo. I have another one, and this is all uh, based off the Current Public uh, Health website, currentpublichealth.com. Check it out. One in four sexually active teen girls has an STD. And what we learned at uh, this event is it always seems like it's, it's uh, focused at women, but that's because men don't go in and get tested. So guys, get tested because you might have an STD too. If you're participating in sexual intercourse, just use protection. That's basically what the top topic was. What we find is this is a scary topic. People are afraid to talk about this, right? It's uncomfortable. It's a little bit like, oh my gosh, what do we say? So we tried to get the conversation started. So when we launched our campaign earlier um, in the year, last year, that was our main focus, was putting out the statistics on billboards public service announcements. We launched a website. So we I ask you to go to kernpublichealth.com. We have a whole website devoted to this to serve as a resource. Use protection and there are ways to prevent. Um, One of the, you know, the most reliable way to avoid infection, to avoid an STD is abstinence. And I know people are like, oh, abstinence, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, don't like, don't overlook it. Like if you can, if you can prevent getting yourself an STD or possibly passing an STD on to someone else because you don't know you have one, just refrain just for a moment. You can do it. I believe in you. Or here's here's another shocker, another shocker. Reduce partners. To me, when I was listening to this, I couldn't help but to think of the hookup culture. Here's the deal, guys. Stop being a garden tool, like reduce your partners, be in a committed relationship. You're gonna have less issues with STDs if you just follow those simple things. And also you'll have more meaningful partners. You'll you'll be able to grow that trust within one, one another and you'll be able to uh, experience real lasting relationships uh, that are healthy. And who knows, that might be the love of your life. You don't have to garden tool around, you can get married one day. And that leads us into another prevention, which is talk with your partner. So uh, before you uh, participate in intercourse, just have that conversation. And I like to, to kind of look at it from the other aspect too, like if you yourself have an STD and you're, and you're not sure how to tell somebody that you have one or you're afraid how they'll react, um, I would definitely try to just stress that communication is still going to be your best route. And I'm sure a counseling center uh, on campus or a counselor can help you work through communicating and um, definitely give you that support. And, and it doesn't have to be the end of the world, you know, if you are having that conversation with someone and they are revealing that maybe they do have an STD, 
if you are aware of that and you're talking, then you can go and, and manage it. So you can go together to get tested. You can go get treatment with your partner. You can talk with the doctor how to protect yourself. Just speaking with your partner, if you're really in a relationship, a committed relationship with somebody, those conversations of will strengthen your relationship, and I think that's important. I actually have a friend who um, was kind of talking to someone, and uh, they were nervous about this, but they were like, hey, like, have you been tested? And they were like, the other person was kind of taken aback, but you know what, they went and got tested, and they actually found out that they were good to go. And with that, they were, you know, they felt more safe and more secure. They actually were able to have a better relationship because they went and got tested. All right, so um, good news runners. We do have a location on campus and it's included within your fees. Uh, there, I, there's condoms. Um, I believe they offer birth control. Um, like we mentioned, uh, they have, you can get tested there. It's free, it is within your fees that you pay. Student Health Services is your go-to. And that's actually located across from iCardo Center. So if you've never been there, definitely check them out. There's, it's right behind the science buildings uh, near the Fab Lab. It's that little building right there. Um, I've been in there before. I didn't get tested or anything, but I had to get turn in my immune cards so I could register. So here, yeah. you probably have to do that at some point. The hours of operation of the Student Health Center is Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, for more information on that, um, you can always just Google Student Health Services, CSUB, and that'll that'll pop up right on, on Google for you. Or phone number, area code 661-654-2394, 661-654-2394. And I also want to mention um, they do not have emergency services and they do not have late night hours. So if you're in a crisis, um, and you need help or something happened and you're like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Just go to the hospital, go to urgent care. The student health center will not be able to help you um, like late night or if it's an emergency. Runner Cast, Let's Talk About It is a collection of talks with a range of new sports features that impact the CSUB community. Let's Talk About It, the Spotlight Edition is a production of Runner Radio. Thank you, Olivia. Anytime. And thank you, CSUB, for tuning in. If you like the show, you can follow us on soundcloud.com forward slash CSU hyphen runner. Soundcloud.com CSU hyphen runner. Oh. Guys, runner up. Runner up. Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. Woo. I'm your host, Paul Lopez, alongside of me. Olivia Calhar. We out. Bye.